0: This was recorded in August of
1: 2019.
0: After a political transition, there's oftentimes an opportunity for civil society activists to enter government those who do so sometimes face challenges. This podcast series is part of the World Movement for Democracy's Crossover Initiative, which shares different experiences and lessons learned to support activists to better succeed in government. In this podcast series, individuals reflect on their unique experiences with the hope to support future activists who choose to cross over to government. Joining us today, we have Samuel Kofi Woods II from Liberia. After years advocating for labor rights, he was appointed as a minister of labor for the newly elected government in 2006. He then later became the minister of public works in 2009. Kofi now works as a legal consultant and head of the Liberia Law Society based in Monrovia, Liberia. To start with Kofi, you crossed over from civil society into government. Can you tell us a little bit about why you made that decision and how it came about?
1: Well, there there were several reasons for the decision to make a transition into government. Firstly, I was one of the most prominent members of civil society in Liberia and in Africa for a long period of time. Secondly, it had been a long struggle for democracy and to ensure the respect for human rights in Liberia. Thirdly, There was a democratic election for the first time, a major democratic election after the civil war in Liberia. And it was critical given the election and given the individual who emerged as president, Madam Edmund Johnson Salif, who had been uh, a long time ally of the uh, the student movement, civil society movement, and the larger international democracy movement. I did not just join the government. I had to think through it. I had to consult. I had to discuss with groups and allies who had been my partners and allies prior to uh, making the decision.
0: You talked about doing all your checks and looking at this from a broader perspective. What was the first step to making sure that it was appropriate or the right time to cross over into government?
1: There were several reasons. One, I was convinced that civil society had contributed significantly, given our struggle over the past 30 years to the democratic gains that Liberia had made. That's one. Two, I was very clear in my mind that as an individual who is not only a member of civil society, but have a strong faith that my conviction needed to be tested. And in my own mind, personally, I felt that we needed to demonstrate clearly that our struggle was not just about a vain attempt to change things, but that when we are in the seat and given the opportunity, we uphold certain values, certain principles, and we do those things that will clearly define us and distinguish us from other people. We needed to set an example. And so, strategically, the decision to accept a job in government was not just about a job, but it was about a strategic objective that we wanted to achieve. And that was transforming the labor sector, bringing some form of dignity to the labor sector. So we had a collective objective that was defined. Now, once we did that, we also determined who our allies could be. Civil society, yes, a group in civil society dealing with environmental laws and issues. But well, also, the labor movement in Liberia, the labor unions were in our line. So, we consulted with them. And eventually, it became very clear that the labor sector was an important sector that could play a very important role in reforming, all right, and bringing a lot of meaningful changes to affect the lives of Liberians in the country, but also the lives of workers in Liberia.
0: What was that conviction that made you believe you were going to succeed in government?
1: Several things. One is that given my experience, my history and my background in the overall civil society movement, the larger democratic movement, not only in Liberia but in the world, I have been able to build local, international, regional allies uh, that I knew could partner along with me to achieve those objectives. The second thing is that the president of Liberia, who had the power to appoint me, the authority to appoint me by law, herself had given me an earlier impression of her determination to institute measures of reform in the labor sector. And I could be critical in helping to advance that objective. So overall, there seemed to be a consensus at all levels. My personal level, the president, the political level, at least to muster the political will and courage to achieve that goal, and the fact that I could sustain and amass local and international partnership and alliances to achieve my overall objective. I did not think I would do it alone. I knew that with the support of all of these elements put together, I would eventually succeed. So I was convinced, therefore, that it was time to enter into government, advance the ideals, pursue the principles and the values that we have fought for all our lives, and do what was right to distinguish ourselves from many of those usual politicians in government.
0: It seems like a very smart strategy in some ways, because you're not only approaching government as an opportunity to implement what you've already learned in civil society, but you're also leveraging all the great relationships you have around you that can help you do that. After you had already crossed over into government and accepted the position, what were some of the challenges you faced? What were those hurdles, those unexpected things?
1: Well, there were several hurdles. The, the, the first hurdle were internal isolation and Alienation, based on the distinction of, of values entering government, given my own background. I was compelled to maintain my beliefs and principles of integrity, of accountability, and in cases where the laws of our country did not provide for those restraints and sanctions, I did them on my own. And uh, I can give you some examples, for instance, where in Liberia, accountability had been a major issue. You get into government, your minister, there's a wide range of discretion in deciding on personnel, in deciding on expenditure, without accountability, and several other things. So what I did initially was to limit such wide discretion of a minister. Traveling and returning and making sure that you report to the Treasury or the Finance Minister on the per that were allocated to you um, is unique in our side of the world. A minister gets money in travel, doesn't have to return uh, money to the coffers. You can provide in a report. But my first trip to Geneva, I returned more than 4,900 US dollars back to the government, and that was made public.
0: How did they react to that?
1: The public had a different perception. They were happy that at least uh, there was um, a change coming in the government in terms of accountability. My colleagues were a bit circumspect and unhappy because they saw it as an attempt now to break from the past, to break from tradition, to break from the culture of impunity. Um, The second thing was issue of gifts, for instance. Naturally, as minister, especially of labor, dealing with all the multinational corporations and companies, eh, there was a tradition of giving you gifts on holidays. And when I saw these gifts in my office upon return from a travel, I returned them to the companies and established a principle that was just wrong to receive gifts from the very companies or the employers over which you will preside as a minister of labor. So it was a departure from the usual. It it was a break from the norms of governance in Liberia and how ministers conduct themselves. Now, if you do those things while in government, then you begin to establish and try to institute certain values and norms. But you will be criticized. You'll be isolated, you understand? You'll be condemned. There will be attempt to discredit you and to show others that you were wrong for what you're doing, or you were engaged in double standards. There will be those challenges. So, even among, um, among my colleagues, uh, there, were, there were those, those issues of, of isolating me from meetings, critical meetings to make certain decisions uh, in cases of negotiations. There was some deliberate attempt to isolate me.
0: Now you're entering government while trying to hold on to your values. You're also getting rejected by your colleagues. How did you manage to break out of that? Were you ever able to break out of that with your colleagues in government?
1: Well, I did not intend to break out of that. What I intended to do was to seek ways to compromise and, 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 and have uh, consultations, to build new alliances within government. So I identify colleagues in government, some of whom came from uh, the civil society or the legal background, some of whom were my old uh, colleagues at the university, some of whom I had worked with previously at different points in time and identified them as a way of building new alliances around issues. So without the impression that I could succeed with everyone, I knew I wouldn't succeed with everyone, so I I stuck out um, my own way of addressing it by building allies within. And I succeeded, you know, we succeeded because we were able to build new alliances and to some extent on issues that the president herself was interested in. Obviously we could form consensus on how to address them. So different strategies of building internal alliances, but also external alliances to maintain my relationship with civil society on those issues, to maintain my relationship with international partners who to a large extent supported uh, our work in Liberia. All of them came at different points in time, whether it was capacity building, whether it was other resources you know, and different kinds of support uh, to distinguish me and to reinforce my engagement with the government and my presence in the government. So it actually helped to a like extent.
0: How did you use those alliances to accomplish things and what did you accomplish?
1: In government, you might not have all of the skills, all of the knowledge, all of the information to achieve certain things. For instance, reforms of laws. If you have to reform laws, to develop what it was referred to and which came out of a major achievement was a new labor law called the Decent Work Bill. That bill came out of several consultations and assistance from international and local partners. Locally, there were lawyers, colleagues of mine whom i knew before who participated in the process. Um, externally, there was a Mary Robinson group that, participated in reviewing the original law and several other organizations. The American Bar Association, for instance, had uh, a consultant that worked along with us to create what was referred to as a new draft law for consultation. So, in specific terms, there was those kinds of alliances internally with lawyers, uh, my colleagues at the Ministry of Justice in Liberia, whom I knew before, um, um, civil society groups, we were environmental lawyers, people who work on labour law with me before. The unions were involved, and then we subjected that to consultation. Those consultations benefited from workers' involvement. Uh, journalists, the media, they participated in these consultations to ensure that the right product, the right information, the right laws were formulated. And so it's, it's so it's a, it's a combination of all these um, efforts, all these skills, all these capacity and knowledge that help us now to formulate what became the decent. Uh, work law in Liberia. Unfortunately, I left the ministry before it was finalized. So the final product of that document uh, did not benefit from our desire and our wishes because once we left, it was subjected to parliamentary or what we call in Liberia legislative review. And I think in the revision, there were some changes, but the fundamental remained, and the fundamental remain as the decent work bill in Liberia.
0: As somebody who leaves behind a successful life in civil society and now jumps into, probably as you pointed out, much more difficult and complicated world of government, how do you cope when you are unable to accomplish all
1: of your dreams? I'm clear with uh, the minimum uh, that I can achieve and and be content with that. And I can say in, in all of my heart and conscience that the plans that was set out Uh, to a large extent was achieved and remained irreversible in Liberia. The fact that today we have in Liberia an elected leadership of unions, especially at Firestone, which for 80 years never had an independent, transparent democratic elections. On my leadership at the Ministry of Labour, we conducted the first elections where international observers was present from the Solidarity Center for the United States workers. We also repealed a law that prohibited strike in Liberia. You know, we did laws on child labor. We're able to develop several things on the, on the automatic dismissal of employees. We're able to get the first high school ever Ever by a multinational corporation like Firestone that had been there all those years. First high school ever. Homes were being built, decent homes were being erected before I left. So I count those things because I never, I never saw myself as an element of perfection. We, we, we strive towards, in our own imperfection, we strive towards perfection as human beings. So I'm very content with what was achieved. And today the outcome of that is a reflection of the continued respect. Um, so I feel vindicated and I feel content that we were able to get some things right. I, I, I cannot say that we, get, we got everything right, but we got the key things that were necessary reach them to the point where they cannot be reversed anymore.
0: You've mentioned a couple of different scenarios where you feel very accomplished, but also have mentioned some things that didn't work so well. Between the thing that worked the best or that you're most proud of and the thing that you felt you may be least proud of, what were the differences between the two?
1: Well, I would think that to a large measure, you know, um, a lot a lot more were accomplished than happy with, and it worked simply because um, of the collective support of everyone, everyone interested in it, and the ability to bring everyone to the table to build a team, the ability to build alliances, the ability to realize that you have you don't have all of the solutions yourself. You understand, whether it's uh, the government, people, the president, civil society, the unions, international partners, they succeeded not because of just me and Samuel Kofi Woods, but because of that collectivity and the fact that the Liberian people were willing and ready to be supportive of those ideals. So we succeeded. On the other hand, those things we not succeed on were largely due to the lack of political will, political will on the part of the government, you know, on the part of the leadership. And I, I when I look back, there were some of the general things, general things that had to do with questions of, integrity in government. Integrity, dealing with issue of corruption, setting in motion a framework, a national framework that will restrain the excesses of individuals in government and to bring more accountability to government. Um, I, I don't think uh, up to my departure, uh, I, was, I was able to succeed in that regard. Again, because it largely depended on government functionaries, on, on the different institutions of government working together to achieve that under the president. And that was even more difficult to get that done. But on issues where we were able to build consensus, we were able to achieve that.
0: You brought up some really interesting themes here. We've talked a lot about you coming from civil society into government. Can you reverse that process and talk about leaving government? What was it like, or how was the transition back to civil society? What did you do after government?
1: So I was very conscious of that knowing that I was always in a period of transition. I knew that as I enter government I must prepare my exit because it's a transitional period. No one goes into government and pretend that they are there forever. All right? It's not permanent, it's temporary. And if you recognize that it's temporary, you plan your entry very well, you conduct yourself properly while you're in government, and you plan your exit very well, ensuring that there's integrity, ensuring that the values of integrity, the principle of honesty, and all of the democratic principles that you work very hard, very hard to achieve, that you yourself must begin to exhibit those very values. Um, I must tell you, it was a difficult decision in terms of the transition. It had to be well talked through because Liberia, you know, there's, there's a lot of politics and and it is unique to voluntary leave. Uh, in the government framework, either you are dismissed, you are arrested, you know, you're forced to resign, you know, something. It's not usual for a cabinet minister to resign, uh, to just walk away from government on the basis of differences. So um, I then began to to plan my, my decision to leave. I insisted on opening myself to an audit which was conducted I was able to present my assets and declare them and they were verified truthfully by the Anti-Corruption Commission and went through the process of an audit. Those audits were conducted. Uh, the, the proper public hearing was conducted and I was cleared through the recommendations. So, But I didn't expect that to be unique to me because of my desire to do so. Government and government functionaries and officials should not rely on their mere desire. There must be a framework around which everyone can be subjected by law. And that was unfortunate. That is the only concern that I have in terms of getting to government, you know, leaving, and in the absence of that, that framework. To really ensure accountability and integrity, and inspire renewed confidence and hope in the Liberian people, as well. Two was to consult, to engage in another round of consultation with colleagues, you know, that I've worked with, people who are new in the larger society, about my decision. And I did consult a number of people about my decision to depart government. So. I held that consultation, even outside of Liberia. I spoke with some of my friends, partners who had worked along with me before, about my decision to leave and why I will leave. Um, And and so the audit, the consultation, and then finally, I had to identify the opportune moment. You know, what what moment could, could trigger it? And I chose the moment when my mentor, my father lived Figo in Liberia, the late Archbishop Francis. He was a recipient of the RIFK award here before. He died, he passed, and uh, I was in uh, a state of mourning for him. And it was an opportunity now. Uh, I resigned the day after the announcement of his death. I took leave of government and uh, I returned to law, set up my law office. Uh, the audit was going on behind me, meaning that I was not in office. But against the background and understanding of possible attempt to discredit me, all right, and given my training as a lawyer, I made sure that important documents were copied and taken away, because I knew, I knew, given the politics in our country, that there would be an attempt to discredit you. And later on, I, you know what happened? Documents were destroyed. The audit came over a lot of questions that could not be answered by my successor. But later on, I was able to address those questions because I had those documents available and I was able to correct those things that happened. Even cases where documents were taken away deliberately, I had copies and it helped me. And this is the message that, you know, in societies that lack institutions, in societies where institutions have not been developed and mature over a period of time, one needs to be cautious. If you thrive on, on, on values, if you thrive to struggle and fight against certain acceptable norms in society, then you would come under different kinds of attack. And your struggle could be long, especially in government. And this is one of the critical points. I always get copies of documents, letters exchanged, between me and other ministers, the president, made sure I had copies.
0: I have one more question for you, Kofi, as we, we finish up this podcast. Some people that I've talked to in your position, either crossing over at the beginning of the process into government or coming out of government, it seems like a lot has impacted them. What advice would you give to the families and friends, to colleagues of people who are crossing over into government? What would you tell them to prepare for?
1: Uh, there, there are several things. At the first level, my advice is a decision to enter government must be strategically thought through. Firstly, uh, as I said over and over, if Ellen Johnson-Salif had emerged out of a military coup, I would certainly not join her government because it's is adverse to my values and principle, a military coup, or coup d'etat, you know, it kind of contradicts everything I believe in. Or if she was a product of a factional government, I certainly wouldn't join. It is because she was a product of a democratically, you know, elected process, I decided to join. So the entry must not be one of a pursuit for individual power. It must be a desire to serve a national good, alright. and you must consult with allies who will help you along the way. Why do you need to help consult with allies who will help you along the way? It is because when you join government, you must demonstrate clearly that you are distinct and you have emerged out of a framework of principle and you must begin to carry out those principles. So there'll be moments of isolation. There'll be attempts to discredit you. There'll be attempts to alienate you and limit your access to resources to enable you succeed. You will eventually need those allies. So it's better to consult them at the beginning of your entry, engage them, identified the strategic point of entry where you could use your capacity, your strength, and your ability to be able to achieve certain things, one. But two, if your entry is reflective of a long struggle and a sector where you already have allies and expertise and people to work in, it is also easier to succeed rather than entering an area or sector in government that is virtually unknown to you, all right? And where you might not even have uh, external allies to help you to build your capacity and to help you with resources. So you need to strategically think on on that. And the third thing is that, just as you strategically think on your entry, you have to do the same with your your, your, your exit. It must be an exit strategy. All right? You are even more discredited when you wait until you are dismissed, or you engage in some questionable activities, you are dismissed, you are forced to resign, or you are dismissed because the government intentionally also want to discredit you, all right? It's also dangerous if you allow yourself to be co-opted by the temptations in government. It's dangerous, and you must realize that upon your exit, there are implications. Implications for you, implications for the larger society, implications for your colleagues and allies and your partners that have worked so hard over the years prior to entering government. And so you must always work. Like I said to people when I was at the Minister of Labor, that when you sit in the seat as a minister, as a Minister of Labor, you must design policies, you must formulate laws and regulations that are fair, that are just, such that when you leave that position and become an employer and or an employee, you will still view those policies as just and fair, that you will not look at your own policy formulated by you as unjust and unfair because the table had turned. That has always been my guide. That I do those things as minister, knowing that someday I will no longer be minister, that I will sit on the other side. But those actions that I have taken, those things I have done, must still be seen by me on the other side of the table, as being just, as being fair, and has been equitable in the the eyes of myself.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today, Kofi. I really appreciated your insights on entry and exiting government um, during the crossover experience. If you're interested in learning more about our crossover initiative or viewing the resources that we have developed and gathered, visit our website at movedemocracy.org.
1: L'heure a a sonné, il faudra se mobiliser. Mobiliser, mobiliser, pour la citoyenneté. S'engager, engager, questionner responsabilités. Se lever pour sa cité, questionner crédibilité. Quand les droits sont bafouillés, la liberté torpillée. Bien public détourné, nos ressources sont pillées. S'engager pour la santé, se lever pour l'équité. S'engager pour la justice, égalité,
0: sécurité.